0: Well, everybody, what a fantastic show we have got lined up for you. Yes, indeed. Make sure you tell everybody to uh, give us a nice review, to tell everybody how much they like our beautiful podcast here on your Manchester! (laughs) Now, our first guest is Matt Baker. He's a high street campaigner and comes from a policy background, having worked in Westminster and Manchester Centre for Public Policy and Management.
1: I got into, uh, I suppose, high street campaigning from, um, I used to work as a political advisor and um, started to take an interest in high streets. Um, Not least because, as well as being incredibly important to the sort of Fortunes of local economies and prosperity. I could see they were also incredibly important for civic pride, building a sense of community, strong identity, a sense of belonging. You know, and I, I long felt that uh, it was a neglected area of policy. This is when I worked in Westminster. I was then fortunate enough to be invited onto the um, the, the veteran retailer, Bill Grimsey, who was used to be the chief executive of Iceland and Wix. I was invited onto his policy team and I've worked with him on a number of um, high street policy reviews. Um, there, you know, there's quite a few on, online. Uh, the Grimsey Review, uh, we did one this summer called Build Back Better. And we, we've, we've lobbied central and local government ever since. And we're really pleased to see you know, committing some really big spending now onto high streets.
2: I mean, we're, we're dedicating the show to, um, you know, shop local, small business and um, love your local market, which was a which was a campaign a couple of years ago. And uh, we've got Esther here. You, we've, I've tried to connect you with Esther and you've still not managed to see her. So here she is. Um, and uh, Can you tell us about some of the, the successes in championing local business?
1: Well, I think I mean. I mean firstly, when you, when you talk about markets, and I'm sure you know Esther can give you some some great stuff about markets. Uh, but you know, in Manchester there is a really interesting market. I'd like to just give out a quick shout out for, and that's uh, Radcliffe Market. Um, you know, Radcliffe and Berry. It was named recently in the uh, Power to Change um, uh, re- report, uh, singled out as a great example of a sort of community owned market, and it is owned by local people. And it's a really you know, amazing sort of community sort of hub now and a real big catalyst for regeneration. Um, great place to go. And if you've not been to it, please do go there. Um, for me, independent shops are very, very important. They're not just about, you know, the sort of character of communities. They're really the heart of communities. Um, and, and I really want to sort of champion them at this at this point now. I mean, my, my message this Christmas is don't give all your money to Jeff Bezos at, at Amazon you know, please do support your local shops. Um, 125,000 people have lost their jobs this year in retail. That's an awful amount of people. And um, this is the golden quarter now for for retailers. It's supposed to be the best period of the year, but obviously because of lockdown, it's probably not going to be. But if we all, you know, work very hard, think a bit more carefully this year about our Christmas shopping and spend locally, then we can keep a lot of people in jobs. So to me, that would be a big success. Have high streets become a, a thing of the past these days, though? No, they're just evolving. Um, the The 20th century model is very much a thing of the past. High streets can no longer be synonymous with just shopping. You know, the, the high streets of the future, and I'm working with a lot of local authorities now and developing plans for future high streets and, you know, ones that really fit for purpose of the 21st century. They're going to be based around a sort of a community hub model, and that's going to see you know, a lot more leisure, a lot more culture, a lot more food, a lot more housing, a lot more education, health, all these things to make a much more mixed high street. You know, the experience economy was really taking off before the pandemic. In Manchester, there was actually more bars and restaurants opening than in London, you know, and obviously the the hospitality sector has been hammered very hard by the pandemic. But I do think there's a real sort of human need um, you know to connect and to meet and to socialize and I think the experience economy will really return with a vengeance when we come out of the pandemic and it's, it's worth noting that a hundred years ago when we came out of the last pandemic the Spanish flu the 1920s was a real sort of explosion of social change and, and I think we're, we're going to see something similar not so much you know as them but real urge to reconnect with fellow people and that experience economy will take root very strongly on high streets again so they're going to change.
0: Should shops that are on the high street then make sure they are definitely online?
1: Yes, they should. Uh, and if they're not, then they need to get online fast. Uh, the UK has the most sophisticated e-commerce market in Europe and online shopping is growing. However, the good news is that during the pandemic, a lot of people have become more attached to their local community. So I think, you know, a lot of the kind of suburbs, the districts of Greater Manchester could could do well. We've already seen like football is not going great guns in manchester people are not necessarily returning to the city but they're preferring to stay local and i think when people were on their walks in lockdown and doing their daily exercise they probably stumbled across shops and restaurants and cafes they didn't know about before and i think there is a bigger attachment to local communities so i think they can do well off that but they definitely need to get online yeah
2: what well, I've noticed, Matt, as well, because um, I know that we don't live too far. So there's a couple of little villages. Those little shops, um, what they're doing is uh, um, for for the people who who are not self-isolating, who, who don't stay in, that can go out, the sort of retired people who can drive, they're getting delivery jobs. So within a, I don't know, three and five mile radius of people buying something from those local shops, there's uh, retired people that are dropping things off, uh, you know, as sort of local delivery drivers from them, which I think that's really nice, sort of feeding stuff back into the, you know, into the local economy and also as well into retired people's pockets, really. Why did you
0: look at me when you said retired then? <laughs> How very dare you are. I'm just resting. I'm just resting. Yeah,
2: you're just resting. Mm. just resting. So
0: it's important for people to get behind the high streets. It's important for people... Uh, Within the online situations, to not just go for the the big people as we think of them, Um, and it's a real service in a community, isn't it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, you know, independent shops, smaller businesses. I mean, they employ you know three quarters of sort of you know private sets of jobs in this country. Three you know smaller businesses, so they're absolutely critical and fundamental. And you know, we heard the. The Chancellor today talking about, um, you know, potential 2.6 million unemployed next year. So I think it's really critical that we keep our local economy strong and try and keep our, you know, our spend, our money in local economies. And also, I'd say something else when you're thinking about your Christmas shopping this year. You know, the supermarkets this year, the big four particularly, have had a monopoly. You know, when we went into lockdown, you couldn't really shop anywhere else because everywhere else was closed. They've received, you know, $2 billion in business rates relief from the Chancellor, and they didn't need that money. There's now a campaign for them to pay it back. The supermarkets have done really well this year. So when you're thinking of buying your meat, your fish, your alcohol, you know, things like that this Christmas, I'd really urge you to you know, think about spending that in your local butchers, your local dallies, your local wine shops to support local traders instead.
0: We're joined in studio today by Esther Morrison. Now, Esther helps run and manage Paprika Food Consultancy.
3: Let's see what she had to say.
2: Esther. What? Shop local, yes. love your local market. Do you remember that campaign? I do
3: remember that campaign. It came out the Portis pilot review of High Street.
2: Tell us about that.
3: Oh, God, that was a long time ago. That was the the first sort of celebrity involvement that the government did. And they thought, well, if we get Mary Portis and she has a look at our High Streets and she can come up with some ideas and when we can put some money into it. So it didn't quite work out how they planned, mm. partly because, as usual, they don't, didn't put the money in that they promised. But what happened out of that sort of campaign to to be a Porter's Pilot town was lots and lots of towns got together as groups, and they made you had to make a promotional video as part of your bid. And some of the videos just made you cry. They were really, really, really good. And lots of communities who didn't get the Porter's Pilot money actually went on to do fabulous things. Mm. I mean, Levenshune Market, for instance. Yes. That came out of the movement of people getting involved to do their own Porter's Pilot video because they had the freedom. It's totally community-led. Mm. And that's, for me, that's what's going to get places out of this yeah, mm. is is when local authorities and parish councils and all those nitty-picky tears of government actually listen to the real people who mm-hmm. are using the high streets and pay attention to what they're saying instead of just assuming that they know best.
0: Because big brands have taken over, haven't they? Yeah. Big brands have taken over, and I miss the community. I mean, I live city centre Manchester, so you don't really have until you have the makers markets that arrive
2: yeah. that sense of buzz about and to, to sell to local, local products. Market. I was talking. I've been talking to um, uh, the team behind the makers market. We will have them on at some point. We will do. Lovely. Um, and, and when did the penny, the nugget, drop? The idea of Foodie Friday. When did that come? Because that was round about the same time, yeah, wasn't it?
3: It was. It was. Uh,
2: Foodie Friday was launched for the very first Love Your Local
3: Market weekend. So. I'd done all this, gone through all this research, you know, like lots of local authorities, they spend lots of money on consultants and then they never listen sometimes to what comes out the other end. Mm. And the thing that was came out the other end of all the research and all the scrutiny reviews that the councils had done was that the food at Stockport Market wasn't good enough. Oh. It was there were too many people doing the same thing and there wasn't anything interesting to bring new customers into the market. So I was trying to sort of work out ways of, of how I would maybe do an event that would encourage people to start looking at Stockport as a town in a different way so that, Sort of these newer street food type people would think, oh, actually, Stockport Market's not as not what I thought it was. It's much more attractive. Mm. The area, let's face it, Stockport Marketplace is absolutely gorgeous. It's beautiful. Yeah, and so beautiful. many people don't go beyond Merseyway. They mm. don't go into the old town, and and that's the old town. The Stockport is where all the interesting independents are. And I had this airy fairy idea that if I could start a street food event, then it would just change how people felt about. Stockport Town Centre,
2: and it did, and it did, yeah, it It did. did. It it worked really well because parallel to that, I'd got, I would, I was commissioned to do a creative festival where I got lots of different people to do creative things, and I had different pockets around Stockport, and um, and I can't remember who it was that basically put us together. She just saw this name on a sheet, Caroline White, and she was like, "Who's who's that?" and then I walked I it and went, hello. <laughs> <laughs> and so it
3: went
2: Black
0: Shores Cafe, so our very went.
2: first meeting. Black Shores Cafe. Black Shores Cafe. So was. what about if somebody
0: else is in their local community and obviously when we get out of lockdown, they want to set up something like that because it's important. What? How about? How do they go about doing that?
3: I think that the first thing is to, to get a feeling for whether there are enough people who enjoy different types of food to make it sustainable. So um, I started, in the summer, we started as a a trial in our local football club in New Mills. Um, We started doing some street food to go with the, because it was a lovely sunny day, and we thought, well, the bar's open, we'll bring in a few extra people. So uh, the very first trader at New Mills football club was uh, Kay Delicia, who now has a wonderful street food operation in a double-decker bus, Ah! in a double-decker bus in Disney, railway station car park her food's amazing so she was the first one and everybody loved it and it's only hit me recently that new mills football club is probably the only flat bit in new mills right. because it's like this everywhere you know <laughs> when you come to trade with me you have to have your brakes checked before
4: you Excellent. come That's right. things, so, things
3: yeah. slow to go down the hill and this is uh it, it, we just brought in all sorts of people completely because it was in the middle of town but it was Flat and now within, I say, 10 days of opening up bookings to street food traders, food pe- variety people and people who know me from the events other va- events I do in New Mills um, it was booked up to the end of the year in 10 days Fabulous. From, amazing. From, from scratch so you've got to have a relationship with your traders where they trust you, you've got to find a venue that you can work with I mean the beauty about working with the football club is they've got a, a board that are open to all my daft ideas and I've had a few <laughs> fortunately in some oh, ways, to lock, due to lockdown I've not been able to put some of them in place but they do loads of marketing they're totally supportive they, they really listen to the idea of actually starting to do things differently yeah. um, and you, you, need, you, need a, you do need a partner, you need a collaborator yeah. and that's all the sort of COVID recovery stuff that I did during lockdown, all the training that I could get to, thank God, because it was all free um, was how important collaboration is and you've, you've got to li- work with people, you've got to listen to people. Yeah. And everybody loves to eat. I'm surprised at the weird stuff that, you know, I can present anything. And that I was was just it. Say yeah. that the good thing about a lot of these
0: uh, foodie events, as I like to call them, is you learn a lot about different cultures and different foods. Yeah. Ah, and, you know, yeah. you can taste, can't you? And you can learn. And it's, it's all about re educating yourself, isn't yeah. it? Our third guest is a fantastic photographer from Manchester and we spoke to her, and her name is Ngozi Ugo
5: Chukwu.
4: The project that um, uh, you were talking about was at Manchester um, Homes. The Home Gallery did an ex- exhibition at the beginning of the year, a long time ago now, isn't it? Um, and it was my kind of obsession with stairs. I used to take pictures of stairs because uh, you might not know I'm in a wheelchair, so a lot of it's to do with I can't get in, and it's to do with access, and I can't get in, but... So it's a bit of activism going on there, thinking this is wrong, I need to do something about it. And then I started looking at the, just how beautiful some stairs are. It's a bit weird, but the architecture of the stairs were beautiful and it kind of took on, you know, just carried on from there. And I just, everywhere I went, I just take pictures of stairs. I still do that today. So that, that kind of got me into photography. And also it doesn't move, so I haven't got any problem with access. It just doesn't move, so I can just take a However long I want to on the photograph. That's amazing.
2: That's isn't great. It? They, they are they are beautiful images though.
4: Thank you. And they're all of Manchester, Well, the ones I've chosen for like all of Manchester. So like you, you might some of them are not even open now. Like um, common. There's a picture of the the stairs going down on the the yellow and uh, blue door. That's that's going down to the common um, in in the northern quarter, and then. You know, the stairs by Manchester, Deansgate, um, the tram stop. Um, uh, yes, yeah, so there's just kind of my kind of love letter to Manchester and just the architecture.
2: That's lovely.
0: Uh, what's, what's your favourite then? The old architecture of Manchester or the newer, more glassed greenhouse buildings of Manchester?
4: Um, I think they both have the place but um, the, yeah the, the, the older one I think it just says about the history doesn't it you know that we is an industrial city um, and it has a lot to offer so yeah I think the old yeah. <laughs>
2: have you have you ever been to Stockport? Uh,
1: to
2: stairs because there are some stairs underbank and places like that there are some stairs that if you stand back, and I've done this, I didn't. I, it's only just come to my mind now, but I've done this where I've stood back and looked at the stairs of where you can see where people have walked the most and they're worn. They're and It's beautiful because, you know, somebody's well-trodden path, many people's well-trodden path. See, I'm picking it up. You know what I'm talking about, don't you?
4: Exactly, absolutely. You'll you'll be obsessed now with stairs and how looking at them. But so, but this next project's got nothing to do with stairs. It's 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 more it's more to do with the scars. So it's more it's more personal um, project that I've done um, recently, and it's going to be exhibited uh, opening on Sunday online um, with part of Dada Fest International, um, and it's it's looking because I've got loads of scars of my body because I've had operations and you just you know you knock yourself doing something really annoying and you you've got a scar, you go why is that there I don't like it and it just triggered off like how we we it's a it's like it's like a diary of our of our life the scars that we have and the the, the instance that we've had it could be you know self-inflicted or through trauma through operations or stuff like that that's happened to you but it's like a memory you forget the trauma of the physical kind of the mental sorry the the mental um experience but you've still got that memory of the scar and so that's kind of fascinating me as well to take photographs of that and get people to take send me their photographs because it's during lockdown. It's been hard to do this photography project, to be honest. <laughs> it's not just
5: images,
0: though, is it? You're dealing with words as well and translating yeah. some some texts. Yeah,
4: so, yeah. So what I've done was have, um, because of lockdown, I was originally to get go and go and speak to people and get them to tell me about their stories and to take photographs of their scars. So I've had to change it. So they've sent me their photographs kindly, and they've recorded. Um, their stories of how they got it and the meaning behind it and how they feel about it or they've written text and then I've just got some because it's disabled festival I've, I've got actors to speak the words of what um, they've written for me.
2: That's, that's brilliant. Yeah. Um, have you done any um, any talks to students and photography students?
4: No, I'm a complete amateur. I'm, I'm self-taught, I so I feel very intimidated to go and talk to students, but you never know, after this, they might want to see my well, yeah, yeah,
2: because I, I, th- I think the, the passion that you have, but also as well the creativity, um, and and, and their, their learning techniques, I mean, I, I lecture at a Creative a creative college, so we do music, media, um, games, and events. And within the media, we do film, video, and photography. Okay. And I know that, and I've just finished an industry week where we, where I had a two hundred. Contributor, festival of pe- of industry people, some self taught musicians, um, musician who is deaf, self taught, and so on. So it's about the whole creativity and it's about the passion. And I think you'd be brilliant talking to the students because you can, and you will, and you have. Thank
4: you. Well, you know, I'm, you know, you got my details, so you know. <laughs>
2: be like oh she's the one that can't say my name properly.
0: Um, People that are with the scars they should celebrate these scars shouldn't they and if they wanted to be photographed by you would this be something that would be able to be done?
4: Absolutely this the project's still going on so this is the first phase of the project um, and uh, it was going on until next year. I'm going to take some more photographs of myself and possibly some other people in a studio and be more autistic about it. And I want to use a different uh, processing types called sienotype. So the sienotype is the original architecture going back to my stairs again, the architecture, the original architectural blueprints. That was done on cyanotype, so I want to play with the, the processing as well. So if people want to get in touch with me, they can contact me on all social platforms. Um, so yes, this is in Gozi, uh, and uh, reach out to me and we can try and you know make it happen. I'll be very grateful if people want to still be involved in my project
0: excellent and thank you so much for your time today thank you
4: well we were wearing some
0: lovely outfits today and they came from a company based just outside of wigan and they're a company called isabella loves and they've got a fantastic collection of clothing and if you want to find out more about them www.isabellaloves.com
1: so
3: we are in lee uh, which is not a million miles away from manchester at all we're a little boutique um we oh god we just we just strive for people to come in we cater mostly for ladies with curves and um we sell a lot of the one size pieces which are, are brilliant for any any size really from a size 10 right up to a size 20 plus plus. and um our motto is just because you've got curves why do you have to you know wear black and be dull and boring there's no need because there's so much nice fashion out there and you can look um, you can look the business and that's what we strive to achieve
0: And finally, we spoke to a lovely lady called Miranda. She had a lot to say about something very important. Let's check that out.
5: So we're a food redistribution charity um, based on New Smithfield Market in uh, East Manchester. And we're part of the Fair Share Network across the country. Um, And uh, pre-lockdown, we were very much about distributing surplus unwanted food from the food industry to frontline charities and community groups and schools. And then um, COVID-19 came along and we got involved in the big food um, response. Um, and so we've had quite a year and we gave out nearly a thousand tons of food during lockdown one. And we're still working very hard, thanks to our amazing volunteers.
2: That's fantastic. And uh, you came you came to our network because I'm a member of the uh, Manchester Business School um, women leading in business and you spoke to us um about a recent visitor and the, new, the naming of one of the buildings tell us about that
5: so uh, at the start of lockdown um a um footballer uh found fair share and decided to get involved and i think everybody's now heard of him so the wonderful mr marcus rashford started supporting fair share and encouraging others everyone to get involved supporting fair share um throughout throughout the the uh, lockdown period and um, we just meantime we've been developing our new warehouse project and um refurbishing a building on the market that's going to enable us to give out three times the amount of food we're giving out at the moment and um you know when the When um, the campaign happened in June and the Free School Meal Vouchers Scheme was extended into the summer holidays, that was a a really great achievement by everybody led by Mr. Rashford. And it also meant that, you know, lots of families didn't have to go to a food bank because they were getting that support, which meant our food would go even further. Um, And he's stuck with the issues, as everybody's seen, um, you know, really with dignity and authenticity, um, you know speaking about what's happened what happened to him and what and and how he wants things to be for for children and people growing up now and we just wanted to recognize that amazing achievement and, and show our respect by um, asking the family if it'd be all right to name our new warehouse when it's finished after his mom Melanie
2: that's that's fantastic thank you thank you so much what we want to do we'll we'll put all the details um up so that people can because you you're you're looking for donations as well because you're still looking for donations so you can complete the work that you can do um and i want to thank you so much for for coming on and um if possible i'll come over and i'll come over with some of the team we've got to arrange that so that we can we can help you i look good in a high vis.
0: Well, that was another fantastic show, everybody. Join us next week as we're looking at portraits made from food and we're going strictly NHS. Join us next week on your favourite podcast, the one and only, Your Manchester!